The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, November 8th. I'm Donald Ware. It's Election Tuesday. I hope you've made your way to the poll or are going to make your way to the polls today. Super important that you vote. A lot of people died so that a lot of us could vote. So please exercise your right to vote today. So we got a lot to get to on Takeaway Tuesday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Let's run down the HBCU coaches and media polls. Jackson State, of course, number one in the coaches poll, receiving all of the votes. As a matter of fact, Florida A&M, North Carolina Central, A&T, also two through four, which was the same last week. Alabama State, by virtue of its victory, moves into the number five spot, up two spots from last week. Southern remains at number six, although Southern fell. Prairie View A&M moves from uh, five last week to seven because of its loss uh, on last week. Delaware State re-enters the poll with its win. Hampton remains at number nine, even though the Pirates lost. And Texas Southern uh, is number 10, falling two spots, uh, even though Texas Southern lost. In the media poll, Jackson State number one, followed by Benedict at number two. Both teams, the only remaining undefeated teams. Florida A&M, North Carolina Central, three and four, same as last week. Virginia Union at number five. Six through 10 looks like this. Tuskegee, North Carolina A&T, Fort Valley State, Albany State, and Fayetteville State enters the poll, rounding out the top 10. Fort Valley State also re-enters the poll on this week. The HBCU National Players of the Week. Uh, First of all, we go to Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson State's running back, uh, Sivian Wilkerson, absolutely fantastic. 214 or 216 yards, that is, on 26 carries. He had two touchdowns in Jackson State's victory over Texas Southern. That's a young man um, that is really, really uh, getting it done. He's the second leading rusher in the SWAC. Also, uh, uh, congratulations to Emmanuel Wilson of Fort Valley State. Absolutely tremendous running back. Remember when he played at Johnson C. Smith a couple of years ago uh, at Fort Valley State now? He had 221 yards rushing with three touchdowns in the ballgame. That's his second uh, game this year of 200 or more yards rushing. He's got over 1,300 yards rushing uh, so far this season. That young man is definitely getting it done. He is a superb player, continues to be. So let's look at the D2 uh, Super Region 2, which is the region that the CIAA and the SIAC are in. So right now, Benedict sits at number one undefeated on the season. Now, of course, Benedict and Tuskegee play 
in the SIAC championship game. I wonder if Benedict loses, would Benedict still remain number one? Delta State right now is number two. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have in front of me what Delta State has done so far this year. You gotta win you gotta figure, of course, if Benedict wins, then it would remain number one. Sometimes those conference championship games can help you. Um, sometimes they can hurt you. I think more times they help you than they do hurt you, even if you lose uh, in the game. So you have Benedict, Delta State, West Florida's number three, Virginia Union at number four. So I suspect that Virginia Union, because Virginia Union's regular season is over, Shawan and Fayetteville State are going to play in the CIAA championship game. I got to figure that Virginia Union is going to make that top seven. The top seven teams go to the division two playoffs it's all at large berths there are no automatic berths and so you got to figure virginia union is going to stay somewhere whether it's four or wherever it's going to be when that final ranking comes out wingate is number five mars hill is number six now fort valley state is number seven fort valley state number seven remember when i said that i thought that the winner of the fort valley state and albany state game would be the team that would be ranked in the region the other team would be out and Albany State is indeed out. Now, a couple of scenarios for Fort Valley State. Any number of things could happen. As I mentioned, conference championships. Uh, I'm, so you got Limestone 8, Tuskegee 9, West Georgia 10. I don't know if Limestone and West Georgia play in a championship game, but let's say they do in a conference championship game. That could help them. Would it be enough to catapult them in front of of Fort Valley State. We'll see. I mean, could Fort I mean because Fort Valley State season is over. No conference, no championship game for Fort Valley State. I suspect that so now again, Tuskegee's on the outside looking in at number 9. I would suspect that if Tuskegee defeats Benedict in the championship game, so that would in essence be an upset even though I don't think it would be an upset. It would be considered an upset because you'd have the number 1 team in the region losing to the number nine team in the region. I would suspect that Tuskegee would then go into that top seven, probably at number seven in Fort Valley State, would drop out. That's generally how these things roll, uh, but we'll ultimately, we'll ultimately see uh, what happens. But that, you know, those regional rankings are, I mean, very, very interesting. But I think Virginia Union is pretty safe in terms of appearing uh, in the regional, couldn't uh, you know? Couldn't participate in the CIAA championship game uh, this year, and this would have been the year falling uh, to Shawan. Nonetheless, Virginia Union is looking forward to some postseason play. So, some of my takeaways from Week Ten: One, Shawan did what it. Shawan, congratulations to Shawan. Congrats. Uh, who else? Who else wrapped up? I, I think Shawan may have been the only one where the, it was in doubt as to whether uh, who would be in that CIAA championship game. And congratulations to Shawan, because sometimes you get in those kind of games. And even though Elizabeth City State is still kind of growing and it's been a difficult season, but it's a young team. Uh, Coach Hilliard's in there. He's going to get, you know, things rocking and rolling. That's a team you got to put away. And, and, and Shawan left no doubt. I think it was 54 to 8 was the score in that game. So Shawan left no doubt in that football game in winning and now I think has a lot of momentum. I mean, when you look at Shawan and the way that the Hawks are playing right now, um, playing some really, really good football. I mean, you're talking about um, a really good win against um, a Virginia State team 
that that you know has played some good football. So let's just look at Virginia. I mean, Shawan's <clears throat> schedule from a CIAA perspective. Beat Johnson C. Smith. Beat Winston Salem State. Lost at Fayetteville State. And this is a rematch of the CIAA champion uh, of that game in the CIAA championship game this Saturday. Beat Lincoln. Beat Virginia State. Beat Bowie beat Virginia Union, and beat Elizabeth City State. So you're talking about after losing that game to Fayetteville State, winning one, two, three, four, five games in a row. row. Shawan is hot. (coughs) Getting it done offensively, and while Fayetteville State has gotten it done too, Fayetteville State has gotten more done from a defensive side. This is going to be the, what, Fayetteville State's fifth straight year in the CIAA championship. Can Fayetteville State get it done against a hot Shawan team that <clears throat> is really playing well offensively. So that's takeaway number one. Number two, what's going on with Tennessee State? Um, 42 to nothing loss, uh, had won three straight games, has lost his last two games, was atop the OVC. Now it just seems like it's going backwards, and I'm not taking anything away from the opponent that Tennessee State had because they're a good team uh, atop the OVC. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's a game. I mean, if you're Tennessee State, it's got to be more competitive. Last week against Murray State, got to win that football game. Murray State hadn't won a single football game all year. And so uh, that's a tough break for Tennessee State. Takeaway number three, the MEAC wide open right now. North Carolina Central controls its own destiny because it only has one loss. And it has the head-to-head advantage against Howard, who's the other team that has one loss. Everybody else has two losses in the MEAC. So North Carolina Central controls its own destiny. While I'm talking to you guys, let's pull up NCCU's schedule to see what NCCU has remaining. And NCCU has played some really good football. Big win against South Carolina State. Um, You know, uh, so you got to give the, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, a loss, uh, excuse me, lost to South Carolina State. Um, um, excuse me on that, but then come back. I meant to, to say went over Delaware State um, the next week. But remaining is, um, is Norfolk State. And then Tennessee Tech is really um, a, uh, a game where uh, it's a non-conference game. So really, all North Carolina Central has to do is to defeat Norfolk State next week, and North Carolina Central will be your champions. It is all said and done, even though there's another uh, game uh, left to be played. So the Eagles with a prime opportunity. I had a chance to see Norfolk State play this past Saturday. Not a bad football team, just for whatever reason, it hasn't clicked. Um, they, they operate a two quarterback system. And as a matter of fact, they'll, they'll switch quarterback Dawson Odoms and his staff will switch quarterbacks up in the middle of a possession. I saw that where they have more, they have a guy that's more of a passing guy, a guy that's more of a running guy, but the guy that runs the ball can also pass it a little bit as well. So it's interesting. That's going to be a tough game. I think for North Carolina central and that game is at Norfolk. So if you're, you know, North Carolina Central, you want to go in there, handle your business, win the MEAC for the first time since 2016, uh, and then, of course, represent the MEAC in the Celebration Bowl. We're going to have um, almost a, really basically a month to prepare because, I mean, yeah, you want to you go into that, that Tennessee Tech game 
Um, but but listen, I mean, you know, if you're the Eagles, right? Like you can't go to the playoffs. Not like okay, win this game, maybe boost our resume, go to the playoffs. Can't do that. You have to go to the celebration bowl. So you can do some different things against Tennessee Tech. Um, but the Eagles are in a good position, a win against Norfolk State, and it is over. The MEAC belongs to the North Carolina Central Eagles. Takeaway number four, a lot of teams right now, especially this late in the season, that, um, you know, are, are four and five football teams. A lot of teams that are four and five football teams this late in the season, um, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, you look, I mean, even if you look at the top 10, you've got Hampton and Texas Southern that are in the coaches poll top 10 that have four and five records. Now, of course, nobody in the media poll is going to have a losing record pretty much because uh, there's so many more teams to pull from and to choose from in the media poll. But I, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just surprised to see, you know, there's not a lot of middle ground, particularly when you look at the uh, MEAC and the SWAC, not a lot of middle ground, either you're Jackson state, you know, or your Arkansas, you know, or, or your Arkansas Pine Bluff in a lot of respects. You know, um, I mean, even if you look at South Carolina State, not four and five, and I say four and five, but a lot of teams with losing records. I mean, I'm surprised where South Carolina State sits uh, right now. Um, boy, uh, you know, I guess anything could happen. I mean, I guess it's the scenario. Let's say Norfolk State wins. I mean, then Central would have two losses and South Carolina State has the head-to-head advantage against North Carolina Central, um, I guess anything can happen if Norfolk State, I mean, everybody's in it if, if, if North Carolina Central wins. And then North Carolina Central is waiting to see what happens with a week uh, remaining. But you're, you're either at the top or at the bottom. Um, not a lot of middle ground. I mean, it, you know, you got some teams that are not four and five, you know, sub 500. I mean, you got teams, you know, you got quite a few teams at three and six, some with two uh, losses, Things of that nature, even and not just in the MEAC and the SWAC, but even if you look at, you know, the the, the CIAA and the SIC, which, I mean, that's that's understandable. That's you know like that pretty much every year. But I'm talking about specifically with respect to the SWAC uh, and the MEAC is sort of like a feast or famine situation. Some four and five, um, some four and five teams, but there no, there's not like you know if I look in the let's let's take the SWAC Eastern Division. For for example, I mean, it, it, you know, you got FAMU, that's right. It's Jackson State FAMU, then there's everybody else. Now, there is some parity in the Western Division. Um, but again, even in the Western Division, um, I mean, I'm trying to think offhand. And even before I think offhand, let me look. Southern's five and four. I think every other team has a losing record at, at this point. Texas Southern, Alcorn State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, you know, all have losing records at this point. So I think that's rather interesting as we're um in terms of the fcs part of this we're we're two weeks away from season finales so you know some of my takeaways from week 10 uh, of the hbcu football uh week 10 of the hbcu football season don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the hbcu football daily podcast where you can find us on our website at box you can also find us uh, on iHeartMedia.com or wherever you get your podcast, and 
um, I want to give you this bit of information uh, before I get out of here. So, um, Mr. Eric Moore's, Eric Moore's funeral, let me get that information for you. It's going to be Wednesday, uh, tomorrow. It's in Raleigh. Um, let me see here. Uh, oh boy. Let me, let me try to pull this up for you guys. I want to be able to have this. Here we go. Um, so it's tomorrow. It is at Ebenezer United Methodist Church, which is 6020 Rock Quarry Road. That's right here in Raleigh. Um, the viewing starts at noon. The funeral or the service begins at 1 p.m. The service will be live streamed uh, on Facebook. But if but again, uh, the funeral for Eric Moore, founder of Onadan of the Onadan Group and Onadan.com on tomorrow. Uh, the viewing at noon. The funeral at the service at one o'clock, Ebenezer United Methodist Church, 6020 Rock Quarry Road in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, please also remember to get out and vote today. Your vote matters. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk with you tomorrow.